right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. It is a Friday edition of New York, New York. JJ Johnson-Stremski rocking and rolling right here on The Ringer and The Ringer Podcast Network. And, you know, I'm thinking about this week and I'm thinking about what we've seen from the New York Yankees in Atlanta, where they were thoroughly outclassed by the Atlanta Braves. I'm thinking about what I've seen from the New York Yankees who were like 1-9-3 and three. In their last 13 series, the Yankee team that has been as rotten and as vile as any Yankee team I've ever seen in my life. And you know, it's kind of been the quote that has been my mantra that I've been walking around town, whether it's on the streets of Brooklyn, whether it's at the golf course at Silver Lake on Staten Island, or wherever I'm running into people asking me, my feelings when they see me on the street about how I view and how I'm like feeling about this disaster of a Yankee season, it's bringing me back to a Bronx tale. And if you haven't seen a Bronx tale, shame on you. You're missing an excellent piece of cinematic theater and one of my favorite movies, one of the top movies you'll see that captures the vibe of 1950s and 1960s New York City. But the line in a Bronx tale I remember it well. The Yankees were in last, and I didn't give a shit. 
That's where I'm at, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The Yankees are in last, and I don't give a shit. Seriously. That's how beaten down. That's how apathetic I have become, and I'm sure many of you have become, seeing how this season has taken shape. Knowing that the Yankees all year have been unable to score runs. Now their pitching staff is depleted, but you love that compete level. You love that spirit and fight that Aaron Bruin always loves to talk about with the New York Yankees. It's an out-and-out nightmare. We are sitting here. It is August the 17th. If you're listening, it might be the 18th or the 19th. The New York Yankees are under the 500 mark in late August. This is the latest in a season the Yankees have been under the 500 mark since 1995. And we're now at the point where it is viable and it is realistic and it is, simply put, reasonable to envision that the 2023 New York Yankees are going to be the first Yankee team since the 92 Yankees that's going to finish the season under 500. And in all honesty, this is exactly what I envisioned a couple weeks ago, where you come to the conclusion that this year is a lost cause. The Yankees are not going to figure it out. The Yankees have nowhere close to the sort of product that would resemble anything that is, dare I say, championship caliber. They're not even legitimate playoff contenders. You want this bad boy to bottom out. You want it to get worse over the next couple weeks. So as the Yankees get set for the Boston Red Sox, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I think it's going to be one of the last weekends outside of Old Timers Day on Saturday where you have big crowds coming to Yankee Stadium, I think it's going to be a very ugly crowd. Remember, before you say, why are you going? Why are you spending your money? A lot of people bought these tickets already. It's summertime. It's Yankees, Red Sox. They're not giving them away. They paid for them already. They're going to be out there. So before you start on that narrative, understand, tickets are already purchased. But the people that are going to be going to Yankee games now are going to be angry. The Fire Cashman t-shirts are going to be sold out on River Avenue. The Fire Cashman and Fire Boone chants are going to be heard, I think, throughout Yankee Stadium, in addition to the thousands of Red Sox fans that are going to be showing up. What you should want from a Yankee perspective, knowing full well this season is lost, knowing that there is no hope for the remainder of August and September of 2023, you want the Yankees to bottom out. You want the Yankees to be in a spot where it is ugly for them come September and that these sort of wholesale change that is needed in the Bronx, a new general manager or at least maybe the possible reassignment of Brian Cashman, the firing of Aaron Boone, real changes within the roster and the scouting and the analytics. And, you know, I know Ben Ruta because he played at Wagner College. He played for the Staten Island Yankees. We have some mutual friends. We know a few people. We might have played poker uh, a handful of times back in the day. I like Ben. He's a really good guy. He loves baseball. His comments, and I don't know if anybody picked up on this. I don't know if anybody saw this. 
basically speaking on the idea that in the minor leagues currently, the Yankees are not teaching baseball the right way, that they're more concerned with hard hit rate and they're competing for hard hit rate more than they are the elements of what you would expect a baseball and a minor league system and a winning operation to go and handle. Like, I read those comments from him the other day and I was like, holy smokes. I'm not surprised. Because we have seen how tone deaf the Yankees are and how just addicted they are to trying to implement their proper analytics. Look, analytics work if they utilize the right way. The Yankees have become a slave to the analytics where they have lost their judgment and their feel for how to build a team properly. So when I hear a former minor leaguer make these comments when he really has nothing to gain by doing so, it speaks volumes to me. And that's why when we talk about change within the Yankees, Yes, it's about the general manager. Yes, it's about the manager. Yes, it's about the major league operation. But it's scouting analytics. It's the it's the whole brand of the New York Yankees that has been completely soured this season. And a franchise, despite what they've done, getting to the playoffs, whoop they freaking do, they have gotten away from the mantra and the vision that they need to have. You know... I saw the comments from Michael K the other day, and I like Michael. He comes on a podcast all the time. Michael could not be more lost, though, in trying to understand where the Yankee fan is coming from. Nobody wants to hear the front office and the Yankees take bows for the idea that they get swept and outclassed and make excuses for what happened in the ALCS or what has happened this year. Nobody wants to hear it. You're the New York freaking Yankees. And the reality of the situation is this. They've not won in 13 years. They've not gone to a World Series in 13 years. Nobody wants to hear excuses. So my advice, as we move forward into August and get closer and closer to the start of football season in September, they can't lose enough over the next couple of weeks. I want it to get even worse than it is right now. I think long-term, it's the best thing for the organization. Burn, baby, burn. Now, I know I've had a lot of fun at Jeff Van's expense over the last couple of weeks regarding the whole Dalvin Cook situation. I told you guys, state income tax. He's posting pictures of Hard Rock Stadium. He's going to be suiting up for my beloved Miami Dolphins. I know I got under your skin and I irritated you a little bit. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. Dalvin Cook coming into the New York Jets, an absolute no-brainer. On a couple of different fronts. And we've hit on it on this podcast. We did so with Connor Rogers. We did so with Will Parkinson, who was on a couple of days ago. This is the perfect insurance policy for Brees Hall. Brees Hall's dynamic. Brees Hall's fun to watch. He's got a lot of ability. He's got a lot of talent. He's coming off an ACL. Now you get somebody who ran for over 1,000 yards, who could catch the ball, who could pick up the blitz, who's a veteran, They reworked Aaron Rodgers' contract. This is the perfect sort of one-year commitment the Jets should be looking to bring into their operation. It makes perfect sense. And now it allows the Jets to ease Brees Hall back into the proceedings. It allows them to slowly but surely build him up in these training camp sessions, in these joint practices. You don't need to burn them out in week one or week two against the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys. This is a no-brainer for the Jets. 
Getting a guy like Dalvin Cook on board, excellent, excellent move by Joe Douglas. Excellent move. Now, a lot of chatter and a lot of conversation. You heard it on Horde Knocks on Tuesday. You've read about it, I'm sure. You've seen it on Twitter. I know I've talked about it a bunch. There is legitimate concern for the Achilles heel of this team, which is, without question, how is this offensive line going to hold up over the course of 17 weeks? We know the skill positions are there for the Jets. We know Aaron Rodgers, he could sling it. Even though he wasn't as productive last year with the Green Bay Packers, I mean, you see the throws that he makes. He he, he didn't lose that element, that ability to go and make plays, but his mobility is not the same maybe that it once was. He's going to need cleaner pockets in order to operate. And the Jet offensive line so far, if you get nuts about what you're seeing in training camp, it has not been good. My bigger concern is the fact that People around the Jets are telling you, including the head coach, that the offensive line has got to go and step it up. That's a problem. That's something we will be watching immediately, week one, when it's Rousseau and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and everybody at the Buffalo Bills are going to be running at you. How is this offensive line, a much maligned offensive line, going to be able to hold up over 17 weeks. Dwayne Brown, guy's a gazillion years old. Makai Becton, I love the idea that they're trying to get him out there with the first team, but the fact that it's not a given, is scary. And it's scary because listen, Becton, his shape has been called into question. His durability has absolutely been called into question, as it should, might I add, because of the way he's been unable to play football over the last few years. They need some answers on that offensive line. In order for the Jets to go and be a playoff team, in order for the Jets to go and win a game or multiple games or really flirt and take you on a run in the AFC, that's got to be an answer that's solved. That's why I like this Cook move that much more. He's going to be able to pick up the blitz. Maybe he can help take a little pressure off this offensive line. It wasn't a big tackle the Jets could go and sign here in mid-August. Dalvin Cook was available. He was there for the taking. So you go and do that with the cap space that's presented to you with this Rodgers move that's going down. But that's something to watch now as you get ready for preseason football this weekend. Probably not going to see Aaron Rodgers, but how does the jet line look? And how is the jet line going to look a month from now, or less than a month, when the Buffalo Bills come to town? To me, it's the biggest question that's hanging over them going into this year. That and their head coach. And I like Robert Sala personally. He seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a real likable guy. But know this. Sala is feeling that heat about the identities too nice. And if you think I'm wrong, watch Hard Knocks. He's throwing the F word, the MF, the line, calling him out. I think I think he's hearing the chatter. I do. And from some folks I've talked to inside the Jets, he's mindful of what's being said. That's fine. But I do think that sometimes could play a role. With Salah's like, yeah, people think I'm too nice. Maybe I got to show on Hard Knocks that I'm not. I'm always leery of a coach changing his personality depending on what the situation dictates. But I think it's a necessary correction for him. And it's a big year for him. There's no getting around that. 
Robert Sala's got to have the Jets in the playoffs or he's not coaching the team next year. I don't care what happens. If the Jets are not in the playoffs next year, or this year, next January, we're not sitting here watching the Jets come wild card weekend. Robert Sala, unless they're in the divisional round and the number one seed in the AFC, he's going to be on the unemployment line. That's the expectation. Fair or unfair, Dan Rodgers, you have all this hype. It's your third year now. You better be in the playoffs. All right, so we got a lot coming up. Loaded, loaded Friday show. We'll have Peter King in a little bit. We'll have our New York Top 15, which I'm fired up about. I'm sure I'm going to piss some people off on that. That is like an annual rite of passage for me. The New York Top 15 comes out, and I'm going to get under somebody's skin. I can tell you this. The list looks drastically different than what we saw last year. So I got that cooking for you. I'm fired up about that. We'll have trivia. Larry's probably going to kick my ass as far as that goes. Let's rip a couple of calls, though. Steph, let's hear it, baby. Let's go. Hey, JJ. Eric from Spotify Live here. Um, yeah, he just got swept by Atlanta. No surprise there. They absolutely just completely rolled over to no one's surprise. Uh, season's pretty much over. My hope is that they're going to call the kids up. But the point that I wanted to make was uh, that the other day, this past weekend, was actually the seven-year anniversary, going back to 2016, when Judge uh, was called up, made his debut with a home run. And sort of kicked off that beginning of the new Baby Bombers core. And it really can't be stated enough how much of a failure that entire group of prospects was compared to how much they were hyped. And I think a lot of that falls on Cashman and the front office for how they handled a lot of these guys. Obviously, you can't predict how a prospect or a group of prospects are going to translate when they get to the big league level. But it's really inexcusable when you look at it, how they handled guys like Tyler Austin, who's now playing in Japan. Miguel Andujar was the runner-up for Rookie of the Year and then never really saw him again. Davey Garcia, who most recently was DFA'd, he was considered untouchable in a lot of big trades. Clint Frazier is now in the minors, and we just kept hearing about his legendary bat speed, never really translated uh, into a full season. He obviously had concussion issues. Uh, and now most uh, recently, Floreal, who they refused to give consistent playing time. Uh, just guys who they could have used as big trade pieces for big-name players at the deadline and didn't, and then stashed them in the minors and completely devalued them. Uh, guys like Greg Bird, who are now out of baseball, Gary Sanchez, who had just prodigious talent, got completely run out of town. A lot of that was his own doing with uh, his work ethic. He's now having a resurgence in San Diego. Uh, I was all in on that 2016 retooling year and getting younger, but if you're the GM like Cashman, you really only get one shot at a rebuild. And it can't be stated enough just how much of that young core outside of Judge, who is not their top prospect, completely underachieved. And I, my biggest fear is they're going to continue to just waste his prime. Uh, but thanks for the time. Eric, I totally get it. And to me, one of the biggest criticisms of the Boone Cashman era is that if you look at the quote-unquote baby bombers, Find me the guy outside of Aaron Judge that improved under the guidance of Cashman and Boone. Everybody regressed. This era will go down as one of the biggest disappointments from what it was in October of 2017 to what it is right now. Mind-boggling to think about it. And this year is not all on Aaron Boone. I've had my issues with Aaron Boone. I don't think he's a particularly good manager. This year is far more about the roster construction. That said, it's time for a clean break. And as I detailed, my hope for the Yankees, Cashman, we know he's not getting fired. Get him reassigned. 
Give him a czar position. Get me a new GM, outside voice, different organization, a new manager, new scouting, new analytics, and restore the brand that is big-time damaged, no doubt. The New York Yankee brand is damaged. That's got to be restored. Who's next? JJ, this is Kelly from Long Island. Um, watched the Mets win today. Doesn't mean a thing. Uh, wanted you to get your Yankee fan take on these Texas Ranger fans doing the uh, the roll call today. Uh, is this offensive? Is this a purely Yankee thing? Uh, what what are you what are, what what are your thoughts? You, you know, have the Yankees reached bottom now? Their roll call getting stolen. They're under five hundred for the first time. And I uh, also wanted to ask you about the Jets. You know, uh, I watched Hard Knocks. Sala went after the O-line, which was really fun to see him get like on someone because he sometimes thinks he's like too positive a guy. So I love that speech. But then again, today they said they were really horrible. How would you fix the offensive line? You want to make a trade? I mean, I really don't want to be relying on Makai Becton and 38-year-old Dwayne Brown, but it looks like that's where we're at. And I'm just really worried because I'm going to be there opening night, September 11th, really, really pumped. Uh, and I want to see a winning team. I want to see a team that's crisp, that's clear. We got Dalvin Cook. We got a great running game. We have a top five defense. But if we don't have an O-line, I just know it's going to be a hard watch because I've seen many, many Jets teams with that O-line. How would you address that? How do you feel about the Rangers stealing roll call? Later. Appreciate the call. Look, I, I couldn't care less about the roll call. You know, if it were the old Yankee Stadium, maybe I'd have different feelings. It doesn't bother me. I really don't care. If it were in New York, then maybe it'd be different. In Texas, whatever. Um, look, your jet concern is legitimate. Whether or not they figure out that offensive line is going to make or break their season. Because if there are line issues, at this stage in Aaron Rodgers' career, that's problematic. That has danger, danger, danger written all over it. So the head coach is aware of it. We're aware of it. Something to watch. Who's next? What's up, JJ? Uh, Ian from Connecticut. Uh, I just want to make two quick points. Uh, number one, huge Jets fan. The Jets just signed up and Cook. And I just want to say, I think it's great they finally did it. I think it helps double down as the chance they had the team last year, and it kind of helps master their weaknesses a little bit. Last year, the Jets were at their best when they were running the football. Uh, you can tell that the Jets, when they beat the Dolphins, they beat the Packers the first half of that Broncos game before Reese went down. Their formula was good defense and running the football. So I think... With Dalvin Cook here now, you know, maybe the first half of the year, he's the main guy before maybe Brees settles back in from his leg injury. You know, I mean, last year with the quarterback play, you didn't need, like, superstar Aaron Rodgers. And if, if the Jets had Jimmy Garoppolo, actually, they probably would have went, like, 12-5-13-4. There was a ton of close losses, a ton of losses that where Mike White was hurt and couldn't make a throw, or Zach Wilson couldn't make a throw. Uh, my second point, uh, I'm from Connecticut. I'm a Red Sox fan. Free split here with the baseball teams are. My dad's a big Yankee fan. So I hear Yankee media all the time. I listen to the fan all the time. I listen to you all the time. Uh, the Yankees last few years have gotten progressively worse. Uh, they finally seem to have hit the wall this year. It seems like they've kind of uh, bottomed out a little bit. Or next year they could bottom out. But what I wanted to say... Because I read a piece from uh, CBS Sports the other day, and they were kind of detailing how the Yankees have gotten themselves in this position. And one of the points they made is they cut payroll the year after they made the uh, ALCS show Girardi in 2017. And when they cut payroll, they basically did these longer contracts with uh, shorter money guaranteed per year. That's how they got the LeMahieu contract. That's how 
they ended up with Josh Donaldson instead of Correa. Now they ended up with Aaron Hicks for seven years instead of when they could have had him for five, like Lorenzo Cain's head contract. Uh, my point is, they're, they're going to have a very similar team next year. And you look at the Red Sox, my stupid team. They've bottomed out as much as the big market team can over the last few years. Uh, they've done it multiple times and got a few World Series out of it. And I know this year, if you're not watching the Red Sox religiously, you won't see it, but it seems like they're at the beginning of a window that could really open up next year. My point is, I'm not a Yankee fan. I don't want it to happen. But I just, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the personnel move non-management-wise, the non-Andrew getting fired, the cash is getting fired today, do you think the Yankees should actually make a job? Do you think they should actually try to bottom out, maybe trade some guys, and try to just use the next year as like a retool year? Like, do you think they should just do that, or do you think they should go back at it, try to compete for a wild card spot next year? What do you think they should do? All right, peace. You can't bottom out. You have Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole on this team. The Yankees are not bottoming out. The Yankees got to get back to being the Yankees. You know what that means for starters? Get some damn lefties in the lineup. Call the Padres about Soto. See what's going on there. Call Bellinger. Call Conforto. And put together a freaking lineup that actually can take advantage of the advantage you have at Yankee Stadium. Personnel-wise, that to me is a good place to start. The Yankees are not bottoming out with Aaron Judge on this team. It's not happening. It's not happening no way, shape, or form. Peter King, one of my favorites, getting you ready for the start of the year. Coming up. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. So. You got to be strategic with this. Yes, you want to take a team that you think is going to go and win the Super Bowl, but you also want to take a team that's going to win a good amount of games in order to take advantage of this promotion. That's why I have circled Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco 49ers. And I also have circled Doug Peterson's Jacksonville Jaguars just because of the division they play in. That has 5-1 and one written all over it. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So. Visit FanDuel.com slash NYNY and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash NYNY. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. Gambling problem. Call 100 Gambler or visit the ringer.com slash RG. Bonus issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus $50 unless specified. Otherwise, restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. It's always fun doing this. I love having this guy on. There are certain guys who bring me back to my childhood because I think about my years of reading about the NFL, learning about the NFL, people talking about the NFL. And now this guy continues to be a part of that soundtrack for me. Peter King, who is on his training camp tour. He's nice enough to give us a few minutes on New York, New York. It's always good reading and hearing from you, Peter. How's everything going? You doing all right? Everything's great, John. You caught me in uh, Newport Beach, California, headed over the Chargers and uh, uh, the Chargers and the Saints practice on Friday, and then I will be going to see the Padres on Friday night. You know why? 
I kind of like baseball. I know you do. Uh, I don't at the moment because my Yankees are having the worst season of my lifetime, which is a story for a different day. Um, that's, <laughs> that's one hell of a Friday, by the way. Newport Beach, Chargers Saints practice into one of the most breathtaking cities and breathtaking ballparks you're going to find at Petco. Love so that. I am jealous for yeah, you. I love that ballpark. Hey, and I may be getting a guest for my pod next week that you will envy. Joe Musgrove talking about fantasy football. I like he's Joe Musgrove. He's got a he's got a little uh, a little swag to him after watching him last year in the yeah. postseason. Peter, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So that that'll be fun. the The Padres team, every NFL or every MLB team has a fantasy league, and Padres draft is next week. So I have a feeling he might be asking me more questions than I ask him. I can understand that. Those high stakes Major League Baseball fantasy leagues. Um, let's start here, Peter. You've been going around the country. You're in Newport Beach right now as we speak. What has been the most fascinating training camp you've attended so far this summer? Well, can I give you two right now? Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk for a minute about the Baltimore Ravens. And the reason is <laughs> that I went there fully expecting this to be a Lamar Jackson show and, you know, 15, 20 minutes with Lamar and uh, informative, interesting, but the best two things, first of all, the best rookie I've seen far and away on this tour, 14 teams so far is Zay Flowers, uh, the receiver with the Ravens. That guy is going to blow some people away this year. The separation he gets leaving people in the dust that was so interesting. And secondly, I hadn't talked to Odell Beckham in seven years. And I had a fascinating conversation with him. Uh, just really interesting. He's changed. You know, the way I put it in, in what I wrote about him is he's 30 going on 45. And he's matured. He's had a son now. And they hired him, or they signed him, rather, in part to be a tutor for the young receivers like Zay Flowers on their team, all right? So the other really interesting team <clears throat> to me was the Atlanta Falcons. And nobody's talking about the Falcons. Nobody cares about the Falcons. Nobody thinks the Falcons are going to be any good at all. But if you look at all the pieces they have on offense, if you look at Drake London, okay, and you look at, uh, if you look at Pitts, if you look at Cordero Patterson, you add Bijan Robinson, you have the guy who I voted my offensive rookie of the year last year, Tyler Algier, over a thousand yards out of nowhere for uh, Arthur Smith's team. But my whole point is they have the best altogether. They have the best offensive weapons that I've seen on my trip. And in my opinion, I think if Desmond Ritter is even a B minus, and that is no lock, but if he's a B minus, the Falcons are winning the NFC South. Well, Peter, that's music to my ears, considering I have a wager on FanDuel Sportsbook at the moment for the Atlanta Falcons to go and win that division, because I think it's a division Simply put, that's there for the taking. I know everybody's it's on New Orleans winnable, with Carr. Yep. 
that's the thing. So I think unlike some of these other divisions where you have a behemoth like Mahomes and Andy Reid or the AFC North and all their competition or the AFC East and all their competition, the South divisions and the NFC North for that matter as well, that's where a team like Atlanta with the right infrastructure and I think Arthur Smith can coach. I'm with you. I think they have offensive talent. If they get decent quarterback play, Peter, they're going to be that fourth seed in a playoff team in the NFC South. I totally agree. I think I, I couldn't agree more. Now, you talk about the other South. I didn't go to Jacksonville, and I'm not going to Jacksonville. But, JJ, I, I really look at Jacksonville right now, and I say especially with the degree of difficulty for Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City, the Jets, Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Look at the schedules of all those teams and then look at the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they've got, to me, of all the strong contenders, they've got the softest schedule in the NFL. And so I will not be surprised if they not only win that division, I think they should win that division. They not only win that division, but they challenge seriously for home field in the AFC. Peter, you know I'm in New York. You know what I'm living, breathing, talking about day in and day out. The buzz around these two teams, this is the most excitement we've had locally for a football season in over a decade. It's not even close. I mean, it's not. I I go back, Peter, probably to the 2008 season because you had the Giants coming off the improbable Super Bowl over Belichick and Brady, and then the Jets go and get Brett Favre. And I remember that summer was insane, and there was a lot of, hype, and there was a lot of anticipation. Rodgers, I wondered, and again, he hasn't put a game yet. We don't know how it's going to go when you see Buffalo and then Dallas and then New England. The schedule is just brutal right out of the gate. But as far as handling New York and just, you know, being out and about, going to the restaurants, going to Nick games, I don't know Aaron Rodgers. I know you do, Peter. It sure seems like he has embraced the idea of being a part of New York. He's not shying away from it. Is that fair to say? Oh, ab- absolutely. But there's a couple of things to consider about Aaron Rodgers that I think have not been made very, very public. Okay? Number one, all right? So when I sat down with him at camp, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, he not only said that he uh, was strongly considering retiring. He thought absolutely that he was going to retire going into his darkness retreat, okay? Because he said he just really had enough. And when he, when he was in there, he said, you know what? I need to, I'm in great shape. I still love it. I need to give this a serious consideration now to whether... I might be able to go back to the Packers or want to go somewhere else. And look, I believe long before he went in that five-day, four-night darkness retreat, the Packers had already said, that's it. We're done with him. We've had enough. But soon after he got out of there, the Jets send that traveling delegation to California. And he told me, he said, it's the first time since I was 19 years old and Jeff Tedford came after me to play at Cal. It's the first time that I've been recruited that I've really felt wanted. And he goes, 
you don't think maybe that that means a lot, but to me, it means a lot. So that's one part of it. And I think the second part of him with the Jets is that I think he was ready for a major change in his life, like a huge change in his life, okay? And when I say major change, I mean that he was ready to do something absolutely, totally different. And that's why, to me, this is really kind of a natural thing. It's, it makes all the sense in the world. He wants to go see, uh, he wants to go see, you know, Broadway plays. He wants to go to the Tonys. You know, he wants to do all these things that he's never done. And so he's doing it. He's happy. And my feeling is there's no question in my mind, no question that he's going to, unless something weird happens, he's going to play more than one year. He, my over under on Rodgers would be two and a half years, honestly. I think he's going to absolutely play longer than that. Uh, um, so anyway, it's one of those things right now, JJ. The honeymoon is on. We'll see how it lasts. He hasn't been fricasseed on the front and back pages yet. So we'll see what happens. But in my opinion, I think it's a it's an excellent marriage. And one other thing, uh, JJ, you know, to me, I'll tell you the really interesting thing. He loves Joe Douglas. And maybe he was saying this stuff to me just because, you know, he's so anti-Gudekunst. Um, but he loves Joe Douglas, and I believe he gave back all of that money because he really wants to win. Look, the guy's made $319 million in his career, and he's going to make a lot more with this contract. And I think he felt like, I would rather win right now than, uh, than you know, make whatever, 50 million more, whatever it is he gave up, 33 or something like that. Listen, that's music to the ears and a Jeff fan who's listening because he's bought in. The idea that he is, it's not like Favre where it felt like New York was a halfway house where he really wanted to go to Minnesota, but as it right. worked out, Peter, they were never trading him to Minnesota. So he had to go and play nice for a year with the Jets. This is far more the case of Rogers saying, yeah, I want to be here. This is where I'm about. And, Listen, I think he'll play great if that offensive line holds up. I, I think that's the million-dollar question, Peter. I think if he gets good line play with Wilson, going to get Dalvin Cook, slowly but surely building up Brees Hall, they have the weapons around him. It's all about the offensive line. We know the AFC is loaded. What's more likely this year, in your opinion? The Jets are a legit Super Bowl contender? Or is it more likely the Jets miss the playoffs? What's your gut on that? I think they're going to be a legit Super Bowl contender because, look, it's been well documented in recent days that their offensive line is really struggling and that could really be their Achilles heel. No question about it. So no team is perfect, but, you know, a motivated Aaron Rodgers and with really good weapons, I think he's, they're going to be a lot closer to the top than to not being in the playoffs. That That's, I, I, I'll be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. It's going to be a challenge on that AFC, Peter. 
Not an easy AFC, man. I mean, you look up and down. Of course, yeah. There's going to be a couple of really good teams. There will be a couple of really good teams in the AFC that don't make the playoffs. And, and you know, you and know, that's the best it, thing the Giants have going for them, Peter. If the Giants yes, were in the no AFC, question. I would never in a million years pick them to make the playoffs. I know their right. division's tough with the Eagles and, and with the Cowboys, but you're going to have a harder time. I mean, you're going to have an easy time finding, you know, if one of those AFC teams was in the NFC, I'd be like, wow, New England in the, in the NFC, it'd be a playoff team. In the AFC, it's a much different conversation. That's, that, that's the best thing Brian Dable and company have going. They're well-coached, they play hard, and they're in the right conference. Last year, we learned a couple of things about Brian Dable and Joe Shane. And the first thing we learned is they don't want to hear any excuses about why, okay, it's a bad cap year. Uh, they've got to, uh, you know, they've got to just get the cap right, and they're playing for 2024 or 2023, whatever. Uh, they said BS to that. It's that's ridiculous. That is not what we are going to do. All right. But I think the second thing that Brian Dable did is that he made it really uncomfortable to quote grow. I mean, he doesn't want to hear about this. We're not, you know, I think he told his team in so many words, every year we go out and play, we should think that we're going to make the playoffs that we're going to challenge. And and look, they are, I think I'm right in saying this, they're 2-10-1 the last two years in the NFC East. That's awful. If, they're t- if they go, you know, 1-5 in the division this year, they are not making the playoffs. So they've got to be better in the division. Um, the guy who I really am looking for to take that next step this year is Wandale Robinson. I think coaching staff loves this guy. He's, but he's got to stay on the field. I think he's a, he's a real bonus pick for the Giants. And, you know, he's, he's been banged up, obviously, so far. But I do think that uh, the coaching staff there really likes him and thinks he's got a chance to be good for a long time. Peter, two quickies. You were in San Francisco today. They have, to me, everything except the question about quarterback. I love the coach. I love the offensive line. I love the defensive line. I love their weapons. I love their infrastructure. They're good every year under Shanahan. I mean, if they've had, they've won with a variety of different quarterbacks. Is Purdy where they need him to be, you think, at the moment? From what you're hearing and, you know, being out there, are they like, are they looking at Brock Purdy and saying, this is our guy? We're all in? No question about it. I just spent 20 minutes with him three hours ago. Spent a long time with Shanahan this morning. Uh, that's their guy. They are going to live and die with him this year. He's very healthy. His arm has not given him any problems. Today was the first day in camp that he practiced for a third day in a row. His arm looks really good. Told me I have zero pain. Um, he'll start opening day and we'll see what happens. You know what's interesting there, John, is that right now, Sam Darnold's number two and Trey Lance is three. If they had to play a game tomorrow with another quarterback, it'd be Sam Darnold. So this Trey Lance thing, I don't think they're going to let it swallow up their team, but man, what a weird story that is. You're not kidding. And you think about what they gave up to go and get Trey Lance. And the Miami Dolphins took all those picks and got Tyree Kill, and they ended up going and getting Bradley Chubb. 
And, and that's basically what I want to lead off here. And, and this is my final thought for you, Peter. I'm fired up for my team, as you know. I you well Daniel, should be. Well, here's my fear, though. And, and it happened today when I'm waking up this morning. Their line without Toronto Armstead is a mess. And as good as he yep. is, he never plays. Two is another one. I love him. I think he's a terrific leader. I am rooting for the kid. He's another one who never plays. Are you worried at all about the top-heavy yes. nature? Because that's, to me, the biggest <laughs> thing. That's it, Peter. They're, they're talented, but they're what, uh, that seems like a top-heavy roster where if one or two guys go down, the whole operation yeah. for McDaniels going down the toilet. Here's the whole thing, JJ. You know, early in this offseason, there was a summit meeting between Chris Greer, the general manager, uh, Mike McDaniel, the head coach, and Tua Tonga-Valoa. And they said, look, we, we're going to do everything we can short of putting you in bubble wrap to make sure that you stay on the field for 17 games. Because obviously, the last two years, each of the last two years, he's basically missed a month. He can't do that for this to be a really good team. He knows it. So as he told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, listen, I've tried jujitsu. And in jujitsu, they basically teach you how to fall. I watched him in training camp the day I was there. And of course, you don't get beat up much in training camp at all. But you could tell that when he's got guys around him, he gets a little bit fetal. And that's what you're going to see him do. He's going he's gonna to make it so that his head He's going to try to make it so that his head doesn't jar back uh, and hit the turf. The other thing he did is he's using that position-specific helmet for quarterbacks that the NFL has made available. He's going to be one of four quarterbacks this year to try it. He said it's actually a lighter helmet, and he likes it so far. We'll see if that does any good. And I think, you know, look, we all know that one fluky thing, one cheap shot, from a pass rusher can do all of this great planning in. So we don't know. But when I left there, I got to tell you, uh, JJ, I had never sat down and talked to Tua before, ever. This is the first time I ever met him and had a conversation with him. I think he understands exactly what the narrative is about him. And he understands exactly what he has to do to survive. And he's doing everything he can. So look, it's not going to help him if his offensive line is leaky and or injured. I get that. However, I think he's done a lot this offseason, as has his organization, to try to make sure that he can stay on the field. And, you know, there's no guarantee for any of this. But it's like I was talking to Kyle Shanahan today, and I said, how great would it be? They've had the weirdest quarterback situation in the six-plus years Weirdest I've ever seen in all the years I've covered the NFL. This is my 40th year. It's weird because there's only been one year, one year, that the San Francisco 49ers have had a clean quarterback situation. And what happened in that year? The 49ers were seven minutes away from beating Kansas City and winning the Super Bowl in 2019. Every other year is nothing but headaches, nothing but heartache at the quarterback position. And, you know, J.J., you experience it. It's your team, the the Dolphins. It's almost the same way. And I just think whatever year it is, I think it's going to happen that if Tua stays on the field, 
that team can be playing deep into January and early into February. That's a beautiful sight, considering they haven't won a playoff game, Peter, in 20-plus years. Long overdue. My only well, yeah. hope is... And one other thing. One other thing. Just remember one thing. There is a love affair going on with those defensive guys in Vic Fangio. Oh, who okay. cares? Oh, he's the, one of the best defensive coordinators in football, <laughs> Peter. One of the best. Yeah. They, they believe defensive guys think that they finally have the elixir, you know, to get them over the top. So, you know, we'll see if they do. But look, Joe... All right, sorry, uh, JJ, it is right now mid to late August, and, you know, everybody is optimistic. So that's one of the fun times of this year. I could make a scenario where the Dolphins are going 14-3 and three and winning home field, but I could also do that for the Jets and for the Jags and for Kansas City. So it's just uh, it's an optimistic time for a lot of teams, but you're right. There are going to be two or three teams in the AFC who are going to be eating crap sandwiches in the middle of December. You're not wrong. Tough conference. Uh, what's your favorite storyline here? You, I know you're a, you're a narrative guy. If, as we <laughs> say goodbye, Peter, and you get ready for the rest of the training camp, as we start this year, what's the storyline that's most fascinating to you? Aaron Rodgers and the front and back pages and trying to be zen in the middle of mayhem. I love it. You know, I love he's it. got the whole he's got the whole franchise on his shoulders. There is no player in football, maybe Mahomes, but there's nobody in football with as much pressure on him entering this season as Aaron Rodgers. Look, you look at the first two episodes of Hard Knocks. I mean, is there anybody else on the team? <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it just you know, as I look at this, Rogers knows this is one of the things I think he I think he thinks this is really cool to have all this pressure on him and we'll see if he can handle it. Peter, enjoy Newport, enjoy practice tomorrow, enjoy that Padre game at Petco Park and uh hopefully your Red Sox take care of my Yankees so I get some wholesale changes <laughs> this offseason. I can't believe I'm saying that but it's true. Hey, listen, listen. Those Red Sox, I have no idea how they're 6 over 500 or whatever they are. They I don't have any idea how they win any games. But anyway, hey, baseball's fun. Peter, love you, buddy. Keep up the good work, man. We'll be reading, okay? Thanks a lot, JJ. You take care. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Always a ton of fun hopping on with Peter King. Uh, Peter King's one of the best. Basically, he's institution to me when I think about the NFL and like people who cover the NFL. So the fact that, you know, we've kind of 
develop the rapport where he comes on a couple of times throughout the year, I think is really, really cool. And it still really, really geeks me out. And, you know, I say this from time to time, there are like certain people in the industry where I think about my childhood and I think about, you know, you get jaded by a lot of stuff. Like now I, I got to be honest, I could talk to a Yankee, a Met, like currently on the team. I know it's a bad example because teams stink, but you get my point. Like a New York pro athlete currently, and it just, it doesn't geek me out. It doesn't. Like the the people, the players, you know, I'm doing my job. But I think about the people that had like serious meaning in my childhood of like what I listened to, what I read, or what I watched. And that for me always hits home a lot more. So Peter's a great dude. I gotta get beer with him one of these days. That's long overdue. Long overdue. Anyway, New York top fifteen. It's an annual tradition. We do it right before the start of the football season. I wanted this wrapped up before my wedding, which is on August the 25th. So we'll have 11 through 15 today. We will have 6 through 10 on Sunday. And then on Wednesday, that's right, we're going to have an earlier show this week, uh, next week, Wednesday, because Thursday is the big bad rehearsal dinner. So I'll be off the grid on Thursday. Um, I can assume that Stefan and our friends over at the Ringer and Fandle will probably put this up as a graphic whenever they do. I know I'll get all sorts of hate comments and nasty comments. Why isn't this person there? Why isn't that person there? Uh, what have you. So I want this as a disclaimer. And Stefan, you better put this in the graphic. Please, please, please put this in the graphic. So that way people know Aaron Rodgers this year will not be eligible for the New York Top 15 list. He didn't play a game yet. He might be number freaking one if the Jets go and have a monster year next season. I promise this is not anti-Aaron Rodgers slander. We didn't put Jalen Brunson on the list last year. Jalen Brunson didn't play a game. Spoiler alert. Jalen Brunson's going to be on this year's list. That I can tell you. So before I get any nasty tweets or DMs or comments, just put the disclaimer. I want it there. Rodgers ineligible this year. Eligible next year, I promise. Okay, without further ado, we count them down, and I tried the best that I possibly could to include every New York team. I didn't succeed, but I did the best I possibly could. It's go time. New York top 15. Stefan, take it away. Number 15. Number 15. All right, I needed somebody from the Brooklyn Nets. Last year, the Nets... Had one representative. His name was Kevin Durant. I looked good not having Kyrie Irving on the list last year. If I did, he was way too low down the list. I think I left him off the list. That's neither here nor there. Mikael Bridges, who to me is the shining light of the Brooklyn Nets, played really well coming over from Phoenix, has a great two-way game, has really developed into a much better player than I thought he would be. I always liked him in Villanova. I always liked him in college. I think he has all-star type potential now that he's the go-to guy with the Brooklyn Nets. He is going to be number 15 on the list. So welcome to New York. Welcome to Brooklyn. Hey, Mikhail, Cobble Hill, I'll see you in the neighborhood. Steve Nash just moved. We got some real estate in the neighborhood. So come on down. You're number 15. Let's go to number 14. Number 14. All right. Our buddy, our pal. After getting the big contract, after winning a playoff game for the New York Giants, it's only right and it's only fair 
that the quarterback of the New York Giants, Daniel Jones, finds his way onto this list. And I know some are going to look at Daniel's numbers and they're going to say, wow, they're not eye-popping. They don't move the needle. You know what moves the needle? Being a quarterback of a team and winning a playoff game on the road. Being the quarterback of a team and really doing a wonderful job of cutting down the mistakes, cutting down the turnovers, taking a team that didn't have a whole lot of offensive firepower and talent and getting them into the postseason. Give credit where credit is due. We'll see if Daniel Jones can move up this list this time next year. But he's number 14 for 2023. Number 13. Number 13. So he's back. Last year, I left him off the list. This year, he's got to be back on the list because he was an all-star for the New York Knickerbockers. He played in a regular season at a very high level, and that's Julius Randle. And we have to separate our feelings and our opinions of what Julius Randle being on the Knicks long-term and whether or not you can win and win big with Julius Randle as a part of your team. That, to me, is an entirely different conversation than Julius Randle being on the New York Top 15 list. The numbers, they don't lie. He plays all the time in the regular season. I'd be doing a disservice to Julius Randle if I didn't put him there. So he will be number 13. Maybe loses a couple of pegs on this list because he doesn't perform in the postseason. But number 13 sounds right for Big Julius. Number 12. Number 12 on this list. Welcome to the New York Top 15, Dexter Lawrence. Sexy Dexy, hands down, the best defensive player a season ago for the New York Giants. An anchor for the New York Giants on that defensive line. I love everything about his game. This is a guy who's gotten better and better and better year in and year out. And you notice something. We have two football players on this list. You know how many football players we had on the New York Top 15 a year ago? A big, fat, stinking zero. It just goes to show you how the narrative around town has changed quite a bit. This is the anchor of Wink Martindale's defense. Maybe he has defensive company next year. But Dexter Lawrence, welcome to your first ever appearance on the New York, New York, world-famous Top 15. Number 11. All right, we'll close out today's proceedings with a guy who has fallen a little bit from last year, and that's Mika Zibanejad. Look, the performance and the execution still there for Zibanejad this season. He scored 39 goals. He gives you 52 assists. He gets you 91 points. He did his part. Unfortunately, Mika Zibanejad sees him go down a couple of spots and understand why. Rangers non-existent in their first-round series against the New Jersey Devils. So, for Mr. Zibanejad, you get penalized because your team didn't have the same success they had a year ago when they were playing in the conference finals. So, to round out today's proceedings, we go. Mikael Bridges, 15. Daniel Jones at 14. Julius Randle at 13. Dexter Lawrence at 12. And Mika Zibanejad at 11. Now, we go from our New York Top 15. For me to go from the haters on Twitter to my king hater who just likes to make my life miserable. Larry, take it easy on me. It's time for some trivia. Let's go. Hey, Jay, Larry. There's two questions. In the decade of the 2010s, three guys have hit 300 or more homers. Who are the three? Second question, what major league franchise 
has never won a hundred games or never lost a hundred games. I'm out. Okay, Larry. I'm going to start with the 2010s and the home run question because it's on mind. It's on brand. Um, 2010s home runs going to start Nelson Cruz. One down, two to go. Felt good about that. Felt good about that. He's played for a long time. He's hit a lot of home runs. Number two, in the spirit of this being his final year, Miguel Cabrera. See, Miguel Cabrera did not do enough in the later portion of the decade, so he would be out on this list. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Got to get two more here. 2010s, 300-plus home runs. Named one in Cruz. The second one, Freddie Freeman. Really? Okay. Surprised by that. Not going to lie, surprised by that. 300 home runs, 2010s. Tricky. Very, very tricky. Are these still, Stefan, two active players? One is active, one is not. All right, that's helpful. One is active, one is not. Okay. One is active, one is not. I feel like you should stick with the active players. Consider them on that wavelength. Paul Goldschmidt. Mm. Mm. Okay. Oh, I'm missing an obvious one. Mike Trout. No. Wow. Wow. This is a much tougher question than I thought, I guess. Albert Pujols. You know, I felt so good about this question after giving Nelson Cruz. I have just been coming up blank ever since. One is active, one is not. 2010s. So that's 2010, 2019. Oh, boy. Bryce Harper. Is the current player, Stefan, one of the premier players still in the sport or no? I would not consider the current guy a premier player anymore. But and he the guy, was. All right, he was. And the guy and the guy who is no longer active, premier player. Um, at one point, yes. At one point a premier player in M- in MLB. Um, I'll give you this one as a cherry pick. Uh the two of these guys were teammates. At one point, within the last uh, six to seven years, these two guys were on the same team. Interesting. Okay. Teammates. Teammates. 2010s. 
J.D. Martinez. Oh, man. My, oh, my, oh, my. This might give it away, Stefan, but that's fine because I've already whiffed. What team were they teammates? They were teammates on the New York Yankees. Oh. John Carlos Stanton. Okay. Teammates on the Yankees. Big power hitter. Oh, Edwin Encarnacion. There we go. That's a good hint. That was a good hint. That's a very, very good hint. Took me a while, Larry, but we got there. Thanks to Stefan. All right. Now, the franchise that has never lost 100 games and has never won 100 games. The Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, they probably lost 100 back in the day, and they might even have won 100. Is this an older franchise, Stefan? Not necessarily an older franchise. Not like one of the originals. No, this is a, a newer franchise if you're looking at it from that standpoint. Newer within the last 40, 50 years, give or take. Y- yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. That maybe helps. Never won 100, never lost 100. The Texas Rangers. Okay. The reason I think Larry went with this question is because I guess this might be in danger, perhaps, going into this year. That's my guess. Larry usually has a motive for his trivia, you know, apparatus. So this might be cheating a little bit, but that's fine. I don't care. They never won 100. They never lost 100. And we know the Astros have won 100. We know the Braves have won 100. The Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, you might as well give me a hint, Stefan. I'm never going to get this. NL team. NL team. NL team. Mets won 100. Marlins have lost 100. Philadelphia Phillies. I'm taking one more guess and I'm giving up. Giants have won 100. Dodgers have won 100. The Arizona Diamondbacks. That's it. I'm done. Who is it? I, when you got to the West Coast teams, I, I really thought you were going to get there. The Colorado Rockies. Ah, that makes sense. Because at 46 and 70, to see, that's what I mean about Larry being a man who has the method of madness and the mad scientist. They might be on the verge of losing 100 for the first time this year. No, oh, by the way, the Colorado Rockies had their way with the Yankees and the Mets over the course of this year. So, how on brand? 
how apropos. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, the floor is yours. Take it away, uh, sir. JJ, Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It'll be for Friday the 18th. I'm going with one play in Major League Baseball. I'm going to take the Houston Astros minus the 130 at home over the Seattle Mariners. We're going to go with the Astros minus the 130. And let's we'll see what you have on tap on your end. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. So, this might be the last Yankee game I go to on Friday night because I have no desire to go in the month of September. And honestly, I have no desire to go tomorrow. We have the tickets. A couple of buddies of ours are going with their wives. So it's like, all right, fine, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go. All right. Do I bet against the Yankees? I don't think I have the heart to do it. And to be honest, I want them to continue losing. But what I think I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to bet all sorts of Red Sox props and just root for them. That way I'm not disappointed. I'm done with the Yankee props. That's why we can't hit a stupid same-game parlay. We got to keep including these stupid players. Can't take it. So that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to give you all sorts of Red Sox props. That's what I'm going to bet. Like, Devers to hit a home run, turn it to do something. That's that's how I'm playing. Tomorrow night, Stanley going to a Yankee-Red Sox mess. All right, on that note, uh, great job by Stefan. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. Uh, I guess it's the last official weekend of me being a single man. Although, listen, I'm not really single. I always hate when I hear that term. A single guy is a single guy. I, I do not constitute a single guy. Let's be honest. It's a little different. It's a little different. On that note, JJ's out. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll chat Sunday. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9 within Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-327. 5050 for 24 7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY in New York.